Hey, Holly. Hello, Dave. Greetings and salutations. <laughs> That's good. I like that. Where does that come from? It comes from the movie Heathers, don't you know? Is that a coincidence? Yes, it is. <laughs> why? Tell me why you chose that particular greeting today. <laughs> Heathers was one of those touchstone movies back in the 80s. We loved it. I remember seeing it in college and it striking a chord. And my lovely Winona Ryder was in it. And uh, very young. I guess they were all young. Christian Slater. Now there is a reboot. Someone who also was in love with Heathers and had the opportunity to direct Heathers the Musical. What? <laughs> yes, Andy Fickman directed the musical, and now he is directing the musical for TV. So this is a, a project he's actually been working on for a while, but this was done in Los Angeles. They played in New York. Uh, it had a lot of success in London, and apparently fans of the movie Heathers are called Corn Nuts, which I had never heard before. I hadn't either. Yeah, I did know that cornets was a key word in the movie. I do remember that. It was kind of like the rosebud moment. Why did Heather scream <laughs> cornets before she died? <laughs> I don't think there was anything more to that than her just screaming <laughs> cornets <laughs> instead of rosebud. The fans are called cornets. So they gathered all the cornets in this theater in London and they did a performance of Heather's The Musical. Holly and I got to see a sneak peek of it, and it's really good. It's a great adaptation. It pretty much keeps true to the story of Heather's, except now we have music. It lives on after its initial release in the 80s. It's like a cult classic. I think so. And before we jump into our virtual studios and talk with Andy Fickman, Holly, what do you got for us? So you can see clips of us from our interview with Andy Fickman on our YouTube channel at what Difference Does It Make podcast, and on our social media, WDDIM podcast. So check it out. You could also hear the podcast at WDDIMpodcast.com. And of course, you could subscribe to our newsletter. And we have a new episode every Friday. So just smash it with a chainsaw, that subscribe <laughs> button. <laughs> gently, gently. Gently with a chainsaw. Yeah, just gently with the chainsaw. So now let's just get right into it. This is Andy Fickman, the director of Heather's The Musical on the What Difference Does It Make podcast. Double yeah. professionals hitting me with great <laughs> mics and... Right? Ah, this is We're crap on, crap on my end. <laughs> gonna see, I, I, have, I have a toddler and I'm going to see if she'll paint something and just throw it up to make it look like a very artistic family. Oh, you're look at that. Looking good. Uh, okay. The movie posters are pretty good. Yeah, yeah that'll do. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> I did that. Actually, all right, it's right behind you. My daughter's favorite, favorite movie. She can quote from beginning to end. It's She's the Man. Tell your daughter, my wife can not only quote from beginning to end, many times, sometimes in interviews, somebody will ask me and I will quote something and then I'll hear her stomping out and correcting me, letting <laughs> me know that I have misquoted my own movie. For some reason, this movie pops up a, a lot in our conversations. Well, it, it all goes back to she's the man. You know, it's like. Oh, <laughs> actually, in theory, it does because 2005, I was, uh, I was diving into editing on she's the man. I was getting ready to release Reefer Madness for Showtime and Sundance. And Kevin Murphy, my partner on Reefer Madness, is when producers for Heather's came to me and at that time period, and said, "What do you think about Heather's as a musical?" 
So it all goes back Look to at that. the man. Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Full circle. Full <laughs> circle. <laughs> okay. So I'm, I'm going to lead in at this point because you said they came to you asking you what you think of Heather's as a musical. What makes a movie into a good musical? A movie that was just a movie. A good movie. A great movie. <laughs> you know, I, I think great characters, great conflict an arc that you feel like you could see where it was going to go, made it unique, memorable. Those are the things. I get offered a lot of movies to be turned into musicals, and a lot of times I'm like, eh. I'm developing 13 going on 30 as a, as a movie to turn into a musical. All right, that's another one. My, then, my my daughter's approved already. I'm mostly working for your daughter. I think so. And, yeah, and your you, pod partner, yeah. old lady that I am approves. I, I love yeah, it. Everyone's approving, but... Again, great characters, great story, great conflict. That's usually where I start. On Reefer Madness, it was slightly opposite because Reefer Madness was such a bad 1930s film that the idea was there was something cult and camp-like about it that made it feel like, oh, if we dive into that world and really dive in, we can have a lot of fun. So I think I'm always looking for, does it pop in my head? Heather, they literally at, said it, and I was like, one of my all-time favorite movies. <laughs> it wasn't until we met with Dan Waters and then a chance to meet with the original director, Michael Lehman, and the producer, Denise Denovi, that it then all really started to click and gel, where I felt like we were going to be on the journey with them and helping to take Heather's to the next generation. So Dan Waters did not roll his eyes when you said, we're going to turn this into a musical. Because that I would imagine, like, that's... What? Dan, <laughs> here, here's one of the craziest things. The very first reading we did for Dan and company. And we were at our agency's... We're all rep by the same agent. So we were at our agency's uh, screening room in the middle of the day to do this act one reading. And Dan had a notebook and I'm narrating, we're doing everything to microphone. We had a very professional set like you have. <laughs> and everybody was looking and doing all their stuff. And sure enough, I see Dan just the whole time, his head is down, head is down, head is down. And he's writing. And I was like, oh, this is a disaster. <laughs> he is, we are, this is the worst possible way for us to survive. And afterwards, we went over to him. And Kevin, Larry, and I were like, oh, this is going to be bad. And he turned around, and I was like, so you were taking a lot of notes? He goes, oh, no, I was just writing down everything I loved and thinking, you don't have to use all my original stuff. You And we're like, no, no, we're using all of it. So from that moment on, it really was a great, has been a partnership. And the changes we made from the movie to the musical really were things he got so excited about because he's like, oh, see, what you're able to do that I couldn't do in the movie is once I got rid of a character, they were gone. In the musical, there's a chance to live on. So I think he and Michael and Denise quickly became fans of the next generation of it. That's like added value for them. <laughs> totally. Yeah. More people, we sometimes think our fans, which are, you know, 13 and up, sometimes we think a lot of them haven't seen the movie yet. After they see the musical, we're like, now go back and watch the movie. She's the Man was based on Twelfth Night. And we would tell people after they'd see it, they'd be like, I really love the plot. And I'm like, William Shakespeare, check him out. He's got, <laughs> He's got, got a couple of books out and you might like his plotting. 
I didn't realize how long ago this you you had Heather's the musical in 2010. One of the problems is actors get older and they grow out of this. You had you had a great original Veronica. Who was your original Veronica? Kristen Bell, who had starred in Reefer Madness for Kevin and I, and was brilliant. I mean, just brilliant. And then as a, at a certain point with K Bell, her career was just exploding. But yeah, after with developmental readings, after a while, your Heathers are starting to get a little older. We had brilliant actors. Christine Lakin was Heather Duke. Corey English was Heather Mack. Jenna Lee Green was Heather Chandler. We got to New York for Joe's Pub for a reading. Ridiculously talented Annalie Ashford took over and Jeremy Jordan. Brilliant actors. And then we still had a long haul before we ever got to the actual production. So by the time we were now putting actors on stage in L.A., most of our actors had simply aged up from high school. And so we kind of had open casting to bring in a whole new group. But we wouldn't have been anywhere without those initial developmental readings. Right, right. Uh, because uh, hearing K Bell do Veronica was remarkable. She's perfect. Yeah. So when I heard Veronica the musical, or, or I mean, Heather's the musical, <laughs> blah, I didn't realize, like, okay, this is a stage play. How difficult is that to film? Like you're, you know, there's yeah. a lot of action going on on a stage and they capture you know, the right moments. Having done my day job being film and TV, one of the fun things is when I do my theater, a lot of times when I'm staging, you're still kind of, you know, for the audience, you're trying to find the best sight line. You're like, who, where can everyone see this? And my uh, choreographer, the wonderful Gary Lloyd, he and I over the years would sort of try to find the best version once we got to the stage capture, it was sort of kid in the candy store being like, oh, wait, I can now give everyone the best seat in the house because I can put a camera where I want you to see the door open. And over the years, I can watch in the theater when an actor makes an entrance and someone on the other side of the theater leaning over, try, you know, they're sitting behind the person with the big hat on. And this really was a, a tremendous opportunity to use my film brain to sort of break it down. You record this in London? Was it just one? We're going to do it all in I one? Did a couple, okay. I did a couple of days without an audience where I could really get the cameras close like I would do if I was doing film or TV. Then our experience there at the other palace is that we always tell everyone, our fans, the corn nuts, are the fifth beetle. Our audience are the fifth beetle. And I wanted those watching the stage capture to be able to really get a sense of that energy. And they all come dressed in costume. It's Rocky or Picture Show. <laughs> and so that to me was important. So we did then a couple of live performances back to back so we could film the energy of the audience. And then I was able to go into editorial and have sort of all the tools to play with. And when you were shooting it, you didn't do takes. You just drew from the whole show that you shot a few times. I did the first couple of days where I didn't have an audience, I did takes. So then I would break it down as a number and I'd say, okay, now we're going to do 17. I had a first idea and we would schedule it the exact same way I would schedule shooting a movie or a TV show. You're wanting to be careful not to blow out your actor's voices. 
though you're recording, but you you know you're trying to get it right. So it was a good blend of having both opportunities. In the credits, you thank Lin Manuel Miranda. Was the filming of Hamilton an inspiration? Like, okay, this is how to do it correctly, or like to really capture well, that energy. Well, yes, but Lin had been a friend of the show from New York and had been very kind to us early in our development. He and Larry O'Keefe knew each other for a long time. Lynn was a big fan of our song 17. And when we came to London to start workshopping, Lynn was there filming the Mary Poppins sequel. And so we got to have Lynn come and watch. And I think he's been a good sounding board for us over the years and friend of the show. And there's nothing more spectacular than Hamilton. And I just directed a movie called One True Loves that stars Philippa Sue and Simu Liu that'll come out next year based on the book. So Lynn is sort of the genius of geniuses. So having just a little bit of his expertise uh, sprinkled over our production, we will happily thank him and take it. Everybody's lives got static. <laughs> Example, I don't really like my friends. I don't like your friends either. Hmm. Hey, back the party. Hang here. At the 7-Eleven? <laughs> Swanky first day. Hey, I love this place. No offense, but why? <laughs> I've been through 10 high schools. I start to get blurry. No point planning routes, cause you're gone in a hurry. My dad keeps two suitcases packed in the den. So it's only a matter of when. I don't learn the names, don't bother with faces. All I can trust is this concrete oasis Seems every time I'm about to despair There's a 7-Eleven right there So you are officially the go-to guy for those looking to make their movie into a musical. I do get a lot of them. <laughs> I pass on probably more, but then you get something like 13 going on 30 and you're like, which is a movie I loved and Jen Garner I've known forever and Judy Greer I've known forever and had a chance to direct. So you just, you feel like, oh, that is a show that you can bring magic to. When I respond to it, I definitely get excited about it, but plenty of them come your way and you're like, that is a interesting idea that should probably never be on stage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're singing, we're dancing, we're having a good time. We're gonna have our intermission for a bit. Get your milk duds and we'll be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Welcome back to the What Differences It Make podcast and our guest, director Andy Fickman. Right. Okay, so I have to ask, which I'm sure everybody does, but did you grow up liking musicals? Loved them. I'm a kid from Texas and I grew up loving. That doesn't films. mean any. I, the, the Broadway capital of the world, Texas. That's not. Well, <laughs> I have to say it because it's so not the, what people okay. expect. Yeah. Like, I, so. I grew up loving film and television and theater. My mom and dad exposed me to as much as they could. Now, that's Texas. So it's not like it was every Saturday. It was a new Broadway production. So it was a lot of community theater. It was a lot of anything I could see on TV. But as I got older, my passion became Rocky Horror Picture Show. And every Saturday in Houston, I would go to the theater with my friends and every midnight showing I was watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. So I think by the time I came to L.A., I was very interested in the notion of what can I do with musicals? What can I do with felt like a blend whenever I could? You're supposed to direct what you know, like Heather's. Okay, I'm assuming probably a child of the 80s. Child of the 80s. Okay, so which character are you? Are you a are you a Heather? Are you a Martha? What who are you? Are you a JD? This is what I love because this is my favorite question. I always equate it to when people talk about like they'll say that they were reincarnated and they'll be like, I was, I was Cleopatra. I was mother Teresa. It was always something great. Nobody has ever like, turns out I was Hitler. So they, so when we would ask people about Heather's and I would ask cast, everybody would always quickly become like Martha they would become Veronica. Nobody ever wanted to claim that they were a Heather because they didn't want to look back. Mm. So I will say I wasn't a JD. I wasn't a Curter Ram. I was probably somewhere between a Veronica and a Martha, but also with probably a dose of Chandler anytime I got an opportunity to be like, there's a theater club meeting. Everyone pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> you were in theater. Okay, yeah. I looked on your Wikipedia. You were in a fraternity, so you know. Did you did you do did you did you treat the incoming freshman class well? Are there Heather type stories? Well, <laughs> I was president of my fraternity. Of course proud. you were. Of course you were <laughs> president of my fraternity. Some of my first directing came from our Greek Week sing song competitions, where I'd take you know fifty fraternity brothers who had never done a musical. We partner with 50 sorority sisters, and all of a sudden we'd be putting on a musical. This I is that. Probably this was is incredibly more Chandler as I became involved than I should have been. Short of wearing shoulder pad red, and red was one of our colors. Go but, Red uh, Raiders, right? Red Raiders? Red Raiders yeah. and Texas Tech. Yeah, yeah, Texas Tech. So 
I definitely was a product of the 80s and probably have spent as much time trying to apologize to people saying I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, but Chandler didn't. No, Chandler <laughs> did not. I am better than Chandler. <laughs> so is the red scrunchie on your arm a tribute to her or do you have a ponytail under your hat? No ponytail. Oh, I have hair under the hat. Oh, look at that. Oh, oh, I am shocked. I, th- I thought for sure way, you were bald. Okay, I'm, that's I good to know. I this. This is my favorite thing. I'll wear a hat the entire production of filming. So I'll, I'll have a hat for like five months and then we'll have a wrap party. And then I'll have my hat off and my wife, like I look normal and people will be like, holy hell, you have hair. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I just like a hat. I am such a classic theater superstitious person that once I get into the mode where I'm like, all right, I'm going to wear this scrunchie for a week and then I'll have this and then that'll be that. So I do a lot of that. Superstitions, they, they help. I think they, they, help, they can help you through. That's right. All right, you've got yeah. the endorsement of the writer. Have you gotten an endorsement from Winona Ryder or Christian Slater? Do, do... We've been so so lucky. In L.A., Winona came, and we were just, everyone was on pins and needles. That's when, like, Winona mm. Ryder, brilliant. And she was so kind, so kind to the cast and everyone. Mm. But afterwards, she gathered Kevin, Larry, and I, and she was with Dan Waters. She said, I can't believe y'all cut one of my favorite lines from the show. We're like, what what did we cut? And we cut the line about patronizing bunny rabbit. Are you trying to tell me it is not a time for troubled youth? Stand up straight. All we want is to be treated like human beings, not to be experimented on like guinea pigs or patronized like bunny rabbits. I don't patronize bunny rabbits. And she was right. We had cut it. She loved that line. And we said to her, from this point on, it will never not be in the show. We put it in the next night. It has never not been in the show. And we tell every actor, there are a lot of things that we might cut. We guarantee you, we will never cut that line. (laughs) And then Christian Slater, who was so kind and lovely and supportive, he came to see the show in New York. We snuck him there. Uh, People Magazine was there. We got him up on stage. You can see online him putting on the trench coat. And then Heather Mack, uh, Lisa Ann Falk, turns out lives in the UK. So when we opened Heather's there in London, we got a message saying, hey, my name's Lisa Ampel. I'm Heather Mack. So she has been to every production and she's our fairy godmother for all things Heather's. And it's just so sweet with the cast to have her. But we've been very lucky. And Michael Lehman, Denise Denovi, and Dan Waters, have, every cast gets an email and love and they come out and see the show. And you definitely feel like you're part of the Heather's family. I think that would be hard. Well, it's not over yet. It's just coming out. But after you're putting it to bed and you're moving on, how difficult when it's so well received just for the actress to come out like that. That's a great feeling. But then kind of, you know, at the end, it's like, oh. But it'll live on. Do you expect to have this musical come out again and again, you know, get on, maybe get on Broadway one day? Well, you know, we're still running in the UK. So we just put a new, a new cast in that will now run through February. Hopefully we'll get another tour going and we'd love eventually to get back to America and all of that. So we feel like we're kind of in the middle of our journey with Heather. And why do you think it's so big in the UK that, I mean, it's, it's set in Ohio. You can't get any more American than that Midwest. I have to tell you one, I mean, it shocked us when we first went, all of our questions were, what does UK know about late eighties, America, Sherwood, Ohio, MTV generation, the, the waning years of the Reagan administration, like how is any of this connected? And a movie 
Heather's was not a big hit in the UK, much like the States. It was a cult hit. By the time we got there, what we discovered, because we sold out before we ever opened, and that shocked us. Our music, our New York CD, people fell in love with the music. And so the kids knew the music before they knew the show. So by the time we got there, we had this massive fan base going. And since then, the UK has just adopted it so much. And we no longer question whether or not they get Sherwood, Ohio or Hmm. MDV. Every once in a while, we have to explain to them, you know, what Hands Across America was or anything like that. But we feel that they have all become residents of Sherwood, Ohio. I think there are experiences that translate to an age group across the board. You know, I think, you know, what they all kind of connected to is the universality of the show that school, wherever you are, has heartache, has love, has disappointment, depression, popularity, clicks. What end of the spectrum are you on? Who do you hang with? Are you scared to go to school every day? Are you the one making people scared? Did you get invited to the party? That doesn't change. It doesn't matter what year you are. That doesn't change. High school kind of is the same forever. Hopefully, message-wise, you know, what we always like is that at the end, you could find some level of hope that you could find that you don't have to be silent. When we get to our darker elements like suicide and gun violence and bomb threats, we've never tried to shy away from it. And we find that most of our young audience really dives hard into that because they feel that's what they deal with every day in school, sadly. So we definitely understand what we didn't know then, we do know now that sadly it's a worldwide, you know, the highs and the lows are affected worldwide. Very true. Okay, so you did mention the music. We're a music podcast. We we have radio background. If you were going to choose a song as the single, what song represents the Heathers? What do you think? You know. I would say, it's a hard one. It's choosing your children. Right, right. Um, <laughs> but I can. I can choose my children. I would say 17. And the reason why, A, I think Kevin Larry wrote a beautiful song. But what's interesting to me about 17 is, I always say if J.D. did exactly what he said he was going to do in 17, the show's sort of over there. Because all Veronica is saying is, okay, put all this behind us. I just want to be a kid. I just want to be a kid. And I think that's relatable, you know, as a parent. I know it's relatable when I think, is that too much for my children to be dealing with? Should they be dealing with that? Or I dealt with it differently when I was a kid. My dad died when I was very young. So I was 16, and, and there were so many adults who kept saying, well, you now you have to grow up now. And I was very angry because I thought, now I just skip all of the high school. So I think 17 really is this anthem of saying, let's just stop all the bad. Let's just sit on a couch. Let's watch a bad movie. Let's just eat popcorn. Like, let's just be a kid in any part of our world. I think that is probably something we wish for all kids to be able to just do I think as an adult, every day you're thinking about the phone bill and this, and I got to have a podcast to do, and then I have this interview. There's also those moments of like, but if I could just sit on that couch and watch my daughter watch it, you know, she's a toddler, so she's watching all the, all the cartoons. And I find myself for like five minutes, 10 minutes, just getting lost in the cartoon with her and laughing. And it reminded me of when I was a kid, just tuning on a cartoon, and that was the happiest moment of my life was just leave me alone with the Flintstones and I'll be happy. <laughs> Fine. Or damaged. Really damaged. But that does not make us wise. We're not special. 
We're not different. We don't choose who lives or dies. Let's be normal. See bad movies. Sneak a beer and watch TV. We'll bake brownies or go bowling. Don't you want a life with me? Can't we be seventeen? That's all I want to do. If you could let me in, I could be good with you. You know, you do a lot of times in theater, um, in a lot of the improv games or theater games, but it's very interesting because kids play with no boundaries in their head. A kid can become this becomes a microphone. I all of a sudden I'm doing my own podcast and you know, I'm having a tea party there. The imagination is endless. At a certain point, we become conditioned where we're kind of now told that side of the brain can't work as much. You'll be crazy looking if you're having your mini podcast in your kitchen in your cereal box. So there is a moment where we stop creating, I think, opportunities for our imagination and kids can get away with it. So that's why officially I'm now going to just be a kid. I will have no responsibilities, probably put on a diaper and just lay in bed until my wife Strange, get up. But strangely enough, you're doing 13 going on 30 for a, a kid that I, wants I, to be, be think, older. By the way, I think that there's a whole theme, theme work to my material. <laughs> right? Like, oh, I'll just run around and be that. I think actually a good transition would be when you when you retire from this, you could become a teacher of young ones. I've always said that I was going to become a teacher, and everybody is like, oh, that'll be just you droning on and on about. <laughs> and then when I made parental guidance with Billy Crystal and Batman, everybody gather around. We're going to watch parental guidance. <laughs> for the idiot. That's, that will be my version of teaching. <laughs> Son will gladly absorb that. That's right. Uh, Sign me up. I want to, yeah, I know. I, I, I need to hear Hocus Pocus and Anaconda stories, but that's for another time, probably. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this is great. This movie sounds great. How am I going to watch this thing? Where can one find this? We can, everybody in the United States can watch it through Roku, which is amazing because it's free. It's almost on, I think you can get it through all the smart TVs have it. I think there's an app you can download through Apple TV. I don't know how science works, so I don't know anything beyond that, but I know the fine people at Roku, I'm sure, would provide you with the information. But it's free if you have Roku. <laughs> is awesome. this your first streaming movie? Is this, is, it's a little weird, isn't it? Or, or is it? How does it feel for you for something different? Oh, uh, you know, I did a Christmas before last, I did something for Disney Plus called Christmas Again, which was a streamer movie and just a lot of fun with that. I've done a couple of series for Netflix. So it is a brand new world because how we deal with streamers and how we deal with other versions. So I've gotten used to, in theater, you know, you have no money. So, you know, you're usually like, can I have two chairs? And then they're like, all right, you can have two chairs on stage. And you're like, <laughs> so now anything above two chairs on stage, I'll watch it. However you can present it, I'll take. Keeping you grateful. Okay, very good. <laughs> Forever. Uh Will they share the numbers with you, or is this, this or do they keep it a secret? Because Netflix always likes to notoriously they they don't release any numbers. Do they secretly I, I, tell you? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> if you get invited back to the party, then you're like, oh, I guess I did okay. I, 
what I like about theater is when I go into my theater, I can see my, my house is full and I'm like, <laughs> all right, we sold tickets. Right. When I'm watching network TV that we're doing, we get those overnights. And when we're releasing a film in the old fashioned way, we definitely get those numbers. When we're on streaming, it's a lot of like, I look for social media to see how many people tell me they saw it. But what is great is it, it will live there. So even if you don't see it on this Friday, you could see it Saturday, or you could see it Sunday, <laughs> or you could see it Monday, or you could watch it every day and find a little bit special about it. Holly and I both, of course, loved it. We saw it when we were teenagers of it, that age, and it, it meant a lot to us. And it kind of perked my ears. I'm like, oh, a musical? I, I, you know, okay, let's see what they, let's see what this guy's got. And it was a lot of fun. We uh, super I fun. It. Yeah, yeah. We so, really appreciate that. We we like to to surprise people if they weren't expecting it. We like people to come away from it with a little bit of a smile in their heart thinking, I had a good time. All right. They will. Let's have a good time. <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> have big fun. Nice touches. Uh, uh, very good job. So thank you very thank much, you. Andy. Really appreciate uh, the time you Thank you for you. having me on. I really appreciate it. Of thank course. you for taking the time and good luck with it. Thanks. And thank your daughter for being a fan. <laughs> Bye. 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 All right. You feeling that energy that we got from watching Heather's The Musical? Andy brings that to life, doesn't he? He totally does. And I love his energy. And I just, I love it. I really enjoy chatting with him. What a total pleasure. Indeed. He is the go-to guy when you want to turn a beloved movie into a musical. <laughs> who do we go to? We need an Andy Fickman type to direct this. Who, who do you got? Can we can we get an Andy Fickman type? How about Andy Fickman? Yeah. So that's great. So he's doing Heather's The Musical. He's going to do 13 going on 30. The Musical. That's going to be really fun. I have faith now that I've talked with Andy and see his passion. So that, that should be interesting to see. And here, uh, speaking of seeing and hearing, how do you see and hear or the web difference doesn't make podcast? You can see us on social media at WDDIM Podcast and on YouTube at the What Difference Does It Make Podcast. And yeah, you'll see clips from this and other interviews. Please subscribe. Yes. Uh, we have new episodes every Friday, so please subscribe. Give a review if you're so inclined. You know, review like uh, like musicals. We live and die by those reviews. So five stars, please. What, tell your friends. Uh, tell your friends. Spread the word. We will wrap it up right now. So thank you so much for tuning in. Big thank you to Clay, Tina, Natalie, Chelsea, and Deanna at Ginsburg Libby. And thank you to you, Holly. And thank you to you, Dave. Well, wonderful. So until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 